Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will learn all veterans have a unique story, ones filled with pain and triumphs, and we will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and how you can be a part of the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is A Veterans Podcast, and I am your host, Kelsey, and I am happy that you are here listening. Um, I just keep like scheduling all these interviews, and I'm meeting virtually, or not really virtually because we don't look at each other because that would be weird, but I'm uh, learning so much about so many different veterans and just their transition stories, and although many of them are different, right, because we've all used different resources, had different experiences, the underlying kind of thing that goes with all of it is it feels kind of lonely. It's kind of weird. Transition is strange. Sure, there's things that you're successful with, but there's also things you miss about the military. And I think it's okay to admit that you miss the military sometimes. Now, you might not miss, like, the MREs unless you're strange like that, but, um, like, I, I miss the people. I don't miss, like, the weird rules and stuff, but I miss the people, so... I don't know. I just, this is something that's kind of crossed my mind, but um, being able to interview all these people has given me kind of a, a new appreciation. And I feel like I'm making friends, even though these people don't really know that I'm their friend. So it's fine, whatever. Anyways, today we have Captain Amanda Huffman on the show, and she served in the U.S. Air Force. She served from 2007 to 2013, and um, I was linked up with her through LinkedIn, and that's kind of how we quote-unquote met, Um, but she's the host of the Women of the Military podcast, and she also blogs for the Airman to Mom blog, so I'm really excited to have her on, and I'm excited for her to talk about her podcast at the end. Because I am all about, you know, just sharing the love, right? That's what we're here for. So let's get her on the line. I lied. Before we get her on the line, I just wanted to remind you, today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance and support for all veterans whether guard, reserve, active, or even a bad discharge, looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you are a Wisconsin veteran looking for an answer, whether a simple question about benefits or are currently homeless, give them a call today. You can find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or at aveteranspodcast.com. You can also find a Veterans Podcast at Instagram or on Instagram and on TikTok and Facebook at A Veterans Podcast. All right, 
Now let's get her on the line. Hello? Hi, is this Amanda? Yeah, this is her. Hey, Amanda. Welcome to the show. I'm Kelsey, in case you didn't know. Um, but I am excited to have you on today. And I was, uh, I'm not going to lie, I was Googling you, kind of. I was more so looking at, like, your podcast page and your blog and all these articles that you've written that I've read in the past and didn't realize it was you who wrote them. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I'm really excited to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. So I already uh, let the listeners know that you were in the Air Force and served from 07 to 13. So why did you join the Air Force? And is there a specific reason why you joined the military or kind of what is the background on that? I think the like turning point towards joining the military was September 11th. That happened my senior year of high school, and I had no plans on joining the military. But that day kind of opened my eyes to the military. And in college, a bunch of my friends were joining the military. They were either enlisting or doing the Reserve Officer Training Corps program or being activated from the National Guard and I was like oh people are in the military and like all my friends were doing it so then I started to look into it and I was going to enlist into the Air National Guard but my friend who was doing ROTC told me about that program and so I ended up doing that and I don't really know why I picked Air Force I think that's just where I ended up and the more I learned about it I was like this is the right place for me. Nice. So you're the second Air Force person we've had in our 20 plus episodes. So I'm excited to have you on because, you know, everybody's got jokes about the different branches and I'm not going to make jokes, I promise. But um, I'm just curious because there's certain things you hear and I, so I don't know if they're true. So I'm interested to see if you talk about any of it, um, just like the accommodations and stuff, because I hear it's nicer in the Air Force. It is nicer in the Air Force. <laughs> and I know because I deployed with the Army and oh, it was go. not. So I got to, actually my first day in Afghanistan, I went to the bathroom and there was an Army, another Army soldier there. And she was like, why are you out here? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, uh, you're Air Force because I had my Air Force PTs on. And I was like, oh, I'm deployed with the Army. And she's like, oh. <laughs> that makes sense. Because <laughs> I was out at Warrior and not in, like, I think they called it Camp Cupcake, where the Air Force people were, because oh, it was, wow. like, it was nicer. And, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it is true. That's awesome. Um, okay, so September 11th happened your senior year. Then you went to college, I'm assuming, right? And then, so you started the ROTC program shortly after you started college, or was that your intention once you got to college, or how did that turn No, out? I learned it. I learned about it my freshman year of college, and then I started it my sophomore year of college. Oh, okay. And then I took five years to graduate, so I did the full four years. I was going to skip the first year, but then we realized I 
I had no reason to skip because I was doing engineering, so it was going to take me five years to get my degree. Um, so that's how that worked out. Yeah, that's crazy. What kind of engineer are you? My degree is in civil engineering. Oh, okay. My fiance is a manufacturing engineer. So I I know nothing about the engineering world, to be completely honest, except you're all very intelligent human beings. <laughs> yeah, we like math and science. Oh, yeah, that's not... That's not my thing. I'm more of an English person. I like writing stories and stuff. So, um, so yeah. why did you get out of the military? And was it your choice? I got out of the military because I was pregnant with my son. And my deployment to Afghanistan in 2010 was really challenging on me as a person. And at the time, you had to be ready to deploy six months after your child was born mm -hmm. and I just couldn't get over the idea of leaving behind a six-month-old to go do that same deployment mm -hmm. I think if I had had a different deployment experience maybe it would have been easier or maybe it would have been the same but that deployment experience was just so challenging and to think about being like a postpartum mom and having my family far behind mm -hmm. I couldn't I couldn't do it. And I knew if the answer to like, are you going to go on a deployment is I, I can't do it, then you shouldn't be in. So that's why I decided to get out. That's fair. I, I was single through my whole career and, but I watched people like have to say goodbye to their children and things like that. And I always told myself, like, I don't know how these people do it. I don't know. I mean, I understand that people do it often, but I don't think I could have ever done it. So I, I understand your thought process on that because I can't imagine, especially six months after your baby's born. That seems like not enough time. Yeah. Now it's a year. And I, I often wonder, like, if it had been a year, it would have been different. But like six months is like, it's so quickly after you have your kid, especially if you want to breastfeed and do all those things. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, so I, I'm glad the Air Force and I think some of the other branches have changed it to a year, which is, I think is great. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot more sense. Um, did you, okay, so at what point did you know, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to finish my time out. How much time did you have left in the military? So officer commitments are kind of weird. They're not like enlistments where you like enlist for a certain period of time. Okay. When you join the Air Force or when you become an officer in the military, you have like a four year or six year or five year, whatever the year term is. And then after that, you can add stuff to your commitment. Like you, have to, if every time you PCS, you have two years, or if you use tuition assistance, it adds the time that, or the time that it takes that you could get out. Mm -hmm. But when I got pregnant with my son, I had already been at my base for two years. And so there wasn't any, it was all I had to do was put in like a six month notice instead of a two week notice that I wanted to get out and then get it approved. So it's kind of weird how the officer commitments work. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. I think I just assumed that it was like enlisted where you have like a, a four-year time period and then you re-enlist for two more years or four more years or whatever the case may be. 
Yeah, no, you once you um you pay once you pay back the commitment time that you have, mm-hmm. then you just stay in until you add more time oh. <laughs> or you PCS and then yeah, so it's kind of weird. So I had already been in Ohio for over 2 years and I got pregnant and then I filled out the form and got approval to leave and it had to be at least 6 months from when I put my paperwork in. Okay, so in that six-month time period, did you do anything to prepare to get out of the military? Not really, because I was planning to be a stay-at-home mom. My husband is still in the military, and we were going to move a year after I got out. And so finding a full-time job and then moving a year later seemed really silly. And so I was just thinking of different options of things that I could do, like maybe tutor because I was good at math or finding something. But I wasn't really concerned about finding a job. And I thought I was in the Air Force. Now I'm going to be a mom. It'll be easy. And <laughs> and it wasn't. And it wasn't. So did they? do they have... Air Force officers go through like a transition class. Did you do anything like that? Or was it yeah, so, was it just like, oh, here you go. Have a nice day. Thanks for your service. Yeah, I took TAP. I actually took TAP uh, before I even got pregnant because I was trying to decide with my husband being active duty, there was a, a strong likelihood we weren't going to get stationed together. So I took TAP a year or so before I had thought about getting out. And just to help prepare prepare me. Mm-hmm. And then I found out I had to take it again because you have to do it within like six months of leaving the military. And so the one I had taken a year and a half before didn't count. Mm-hmm. And so I took TAP when I was eight months pregnant. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> with my son. And, and it was the most frustrating part for me was that TAP didn't, teach us anything that I think they should have like register they should make everyone in tap register for the VA I think they should make everyone learn like they should spend a lot more time on VA benefits we had like a one hour brief where this guy just said all this stuff and half of it didn't make any sense and most of the people there just wanted to check the box and leave and Mm -hmm. it wasn't very informative and so that was kind of frustrating because I was given like this packet of information and like a short overview of what it meant and it didn't make any sense. And I wish that they would have spent more time. Like you have to be there for a whole week and they spend all this time <laughs> doing all these things that you're like, why don't you spend like time making sure that, you know, everybody gets their benefit. Yeah, definitely. I think that's uh, a major downfall that I've heard a lot on our podcast is um, that people don't even necessarily know how to start the the VA benefits process because it's rarely talked about in TAPS class. And if it is talked about, it's so quick that you're still trying to understand this fake resume that you're writing and, and they're on to the next subject. And you're like, wait a second, this is not, not making sense at all. Yeah. Yeah, it really frustrates me because I'm like, why doesn't everyone should register for the VA? So 
why don't they make everybody register for the VA while you're sitting in tap class? Then everyone would do it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think there would be a lot less questions in the long run if you're already enrolled because then you just have right. to connect with like your local VA once you get to wherever your final, you know, landing space is. Um, yeah. Did did you find it helpful to take TAPS twice? Do you feel like you learned more information or did you find it to be not as helpful? Um, I've had a couple people on who said that they took TAPS like two or three times and got a lot of really good information, but I only took it once I and I thought it was awful. <laughs> I think... It depends on who's teaching the course and what your focus is. I think for like finding a job and doing mock interviews and getting connected on LinkedIn, the class I took and the contractor that worked at the base I was at, he did a really good job of bringing in outside experts and we did mock interviews and we practiced our, our, uh, whatever that thing is. I'm blanking on the words, but like your introductory speech. Oh, your elevator, elevator pitch. Yeah. yeah. And so like we practiced our elevator pitch and we did all those things. And I don't think you can do enough like practice interviews and practicing your elevator pitch and refining it and learning about all the different tools. But, but it, but I wasn't getting a job. Like I knew that when I was eight months pregnant that I was going to have a baby. And yeah. so like my focus was on. <laughs> childbirth so I was a little distracted by those sorts of things and I just wanted to get the dumb training over with because I had already done it and I didn't understand while I was there and so I think if they spent more time on like the VA stuff and explained it I don't know I feel like there should be a tap for transitioning to get a job and then one focused on covering VA benefits yeah, definitely. Like a like a two week or not two week. That would be a little too long. Like a two day course that you have to take about VA benefits. That that's all they talk about because there is right. so much to unpack in the world of VA benefits. Um. So, did you you had your baby then while you were still active duty? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I was just trying to figure out because I I spoke to somebody who's. Um, episode we haven't aired yet, but she was pregnant when she got out of the military. So she found struggle in the VA system because they didn't want to talk to her because she was pregnant. Which is why it's really unfortunate. Me. Yeah, it's crazy. So as a, a female who gets out of the military and starts going to the VA, this is kind of a... Um, question I just thought of, but what advice would you give another female veteran going to the VA? So I, talking about VA benefits, I never registered with the VA because I'm a military spouse. And I was like, I have TRICARE. Why would I register with the VA? And no one ever explained to me the benefits of the VA. And I, I have to, I, I know that I should start the claims process but it when I found out what I was supposed to do and then I was supposed to register I'd already been out of the military over five years and it gets a lot more complicated mm -hmm. after the five-year point and it's and then like and then COVID hit like 
two or three months later when I found out <laughs> what I was supposed to do. And so it's just been like, well, I'll get to it because it's like the five-year point. It's already happened. Mm-hmm. But I didn't ever register with the VA and I don't know what benefits I should be getting or could be getting. But I have, I mean, I have some stuff that I think might be medically qualified, but when I was getting out, I was like, I'm young, I'm healthy. I don't have any problems. And no one, and and that's what they said. Oh, if you're fine, don't worry about it. And so I did it. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you that I've never actually been to the VA. Oh, well, you're lucky. <laughs> My advice to you is um, don't let them make you feel small. And I feel like that's, Silly to say, but in the same respect, I think one of my biggest pet peeves when I go to the VA is when they ask for my husband's social and not mine. And I'm like, hey, man, this is like 2021. Women serve too. But that's like a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. (laughs) That's true. Uh, but, But yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things is unfortunately the not all VAs are equipped to handle care for women veterans. And so I think that's the hardest part of walking into a VA is like, I'm okay with, you know, other doctors, specialty doctors or whatever. But if I want to see like women's health, that's difficult because not all VAs have a women's health clinic. So. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy. So, okay. So then what were some, positives that you made during your transition did you find um, any resources that were helpful or did you do certain things that you found helpful I actually like really dove into my military spouse identity and kind of I don't know if I it's funny because I have a podcast about women veterans but I like very anti the veteran community and I kind of just focused on being a mom and being a military spouse and I got connected with other military spouses Mm -hmm. and it was through military spouses that were like oh I really like hearing about your experiences being in the military as a woman you should talk about that more and so the military spouse community really pushed me back into the veteran space which is kind of unexpected but that was yeah that was how I got reconnected back into the veteran community and then starting the podcast I've got to connect with so many veterans and there's too many different organizations to list Mm -hmm. but it was through the military spouse community that I found connection and my voice to speak as a veteran wow that's interesting I wouldn't think it would be that way what what made you kind of I guess veer away from the veteran community when you got out was it just like you were over it and tired of of dealing with that part of your service or whatever or um I mean if you feel comfortable answering that question I guess (laughs) yeah I think I don't really know. I didn't have a bad experience in the military, but there was something about thinking about the veteran space. Like I would think of, I just felt not welcome in the veteran space. And so I just was like, well, I already dealt with like 
being an outsider in the military and having to struggle with that, why would I openly walk into the veteran community and have to deal with that again? And that isn't correct. The veteran community, I feel, especially with like the post 9-11 veterans, Mm -hmm. they, they love having women veterans around, but I just assumed that I wasn't welcome and that it would be a lot of discrimination. And so I was like, I'll hang out with all these military spouses. They look (laughs) like me. But then I would tell them stories and they would be like, I didn't know that about deployment. And I didn't know this about that. And they're like, can you tell more people your story? Because it, in a way, it helps the military spouses understand what their husbands or their wives were going through because I was willing to talk about my experience. And so that was what pushed me to start talking about my experience. And then through sharing my stories, then I connected with other veterans and I got pulled into the veteran community. <laughs> That's cool though. I mean, it, it makes yeah. sense. It, it is kind of a, an intimidating from the outside. Once you're inside the veteran community, I feel like it's less intimidating, but when you're on the outside and you're looking in and you're like, that's like a whole nother, I don't know, class is probably the wrong word, but like a whole nother class of people that, not that you have to impress them, because I feel like it's the complete opposite. They just accept you as you are, but it is intimidating to be the new vet or, you know, whatever the case may be. So that makes sense. And being a military spouse is challenging because it's not like I have my local VFW. Like every time we move, I have to like do it all over again. And so just thinking about having to get connected every time I move in the veteran space is like, I don't want to do that. Like all it's hard enough to just make military spouse friends and connections in my community and then having to get connected. And but so I've been I'm really connected online in the veteran space. Um, I mean, COVID doesn't help. Yeah, <laughs> COVID helps because you think, but like, I can't go to a VFW right now, anyways. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the online veteran community. I mean, it's everywhere, right? And so I just joined um, Clubhouse. Which oh yeah, yeah, I'm on Clubhouse too. It's fascinating to me, and the information that these veterans are putting out in these—I don't even know what it's called like rooms or something. Rooms, yeah. I'm so bad at it. But um, some of these veterans, their stories are amazing as to how they've become so successful. And it, I think the online space gives such an opportunity for veterans to reach out and, and find people they wouldn't normally run into, you know, at their local VFW. So I think that's cool too. That's so true. So what is some advice that you would give to somebody who is thinking about transitioning out of the military as far as like maybe preparing or what to expect or anything like that? Well, I mean, you should find out what your benefits are and register with the VA, step one. And then I think, the emotional transition out of the military is something that people don't realize. I mean, the military spends a bunch of time training you to join the military and then they give you a one week class to get out and you've changed a lot 
through the training that the military is giving you and you just need to be prepared, I guess, for the unexpected as you transition into civilian life. That's true. I agree with that. I like that. That's good advice. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about your podcast, your blog. You know, you kind of have talked a little bit about how you got started and all that and telling your story, but I'd love to hear how that kind of took off. Yeah, so I have been blogging pretty much since I got out of the Air Force. I I didn't know what I was doing, and I've just been learning a lot along the way. And in 2017, I did a series on deployments because I thought it would be really cool to hear about other people's deployment experiences. And I thought that it was going to be a bunch of men sharing their deployment <laughs> experiences. But it wasn't. It was almost all women. And I was blown away by their stories. And I was like, who cares about deployments? Let's hear about more <laughs> women's stories. And so I kind of pivoted from, well, I pivoted from thinking I had nothing else to write about military related. And that's hilarious to think of now because yeah. I've written so much since. But and started focusing on women veterans and talking about my experience of being a woman veteran. And then that led to starting a podcast all about women veterans and a book also called Women of the Military. The podcast and the book are called Women of the Military. And they're just stories of military women from Vietnam to present day. I have one World War II story as well. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so, man, I just, that's fascinating to me because I, I like this kind of stuff. Like, I like podcasts, and we started this podcast, um, my producer and I, over COVID because we wanted to, like, reach veterans at home. And we were like, oh, we'll just talk at them, and they'll listen. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how it started. But I love like meeting people and hearing their stories and learning so much about different veterans because I think um, a lot of our stories are very different, but there's always like one piece that connects everybody. You know what I mean? And it could be different from yeah. each person, but it kind of all connects. So um, what made you decide to write the book? Was it in the process of working on the podcast or was it um, something yeah. separate or... Yeah, well, I was planning on doing the, instead of doing a deployment series, I was going to do a women of the military series, but my husband is still in the Air Force, and we PCS'd from California to Virginia, and the series was supposed to happen in October, and so I had most of the stories already collected, but I still had to load them on the blog and do all the, all the work that you, goes into putting stuff on a blog. It's not just it's not as easy as you think. There's still a lot more steps than just writing a blog post. And so I felt really overwhelmed. And my friend was like, you don't have to do it. <laughs> no one's going to like, I mean, the people who you wrote the stories about are going to probably want you to do something, but like, you don't have to do it right now. And like, we can figure out another plan. And then from there, we started talking about podcasting 
And my plan when I started the podcast was like, I have these 26 stories that I can use as a backup in case I have like an empty week Mm -hmm. where nobody signs up to be on the podcast. And so that gave me confidence to start podcasting. But I didn't ever have any empty weeks. So I was like, well, now what do I do? And so that's when I decided to make a book um, using the Amazon KDP program. And now it's on Amazon. That's awesome. That's so cool. I've, I've always wanted to write a book, but I, I don't know what I would write about. Like in my head, it makes sense. But then when I start thinking about it, I'm like, well, maybe I'd be the only one that likes that book. So <laughs> maybe I won't write it. But that sounds like... It's a lot of work. Yeah. That's what I hear. Yeah. I'm working on a, on my second book right now, and it's not a bunch of interviews. It's like actually me writing, and I'm like, this is so much harder. Because <laughs> you I have to write about my interviews. Yeah. I mean, it's a girl's guide to the military, so it's a book for women who are considering joining the military. So it has stories from the podcast and stories from my experience and advice to women mm-hmm. who are considering serving so that they can make the best choice for them. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's really neat. So if you could, now I'm going to like shamelessly ask for advice from you. If you could give somebody advice who um, wants to like start a blog or write a book or, something like that about their military story, what kind of advice would you share with them? Because I think there's a lot of veterans out there who want to tell their story. They just don't know how. Um, so the advice that you, it's kind of like really weird advice, but you have to figure out where or who you're writing to. It's called an avatar in, I don't know, probably marketing language, but If you write a story for everyone, no one's going to read it. But if you write a story for one specific group, then it'll resonate with that one person and then they'll tell people. And so you can't be broad. You have to be really narrow in who you're writing to. Like with my Girls Guide book, I couldn't just say any woman joining the military. (laughs) It's actually for like women who are like in their like, 18 to 20 year olds who are considering military service and are in that and like I have a name for her and like I have this person that I'm writing to that I made up so that I would know like what she needs here so that I can write the book specifically for her Mm -hmm. and so if you want to write your story like I also want to write my deployment story but I can't just write the deployment story I have to know like who is the deployment story for and how is reading it going to impact them? So before you ever start writing, you have to start thinking about who is the book for? Why are you writing the book? And then once you figure that out, you can build your outline around that person and then use your outline to put the book together and your blog too. Wow. I have no words. I have no words. That's (laughs) I would never have thought of that. I was just writing to write. You know, the world will read this, and now I have a lot of work to do. So that's good to know. Um, Yeah. 
it's kind of it feels backwards but mm-hmm. it's I, I've taken a lot of different blogging and marketing and and that's what I learned so you got it in like two minutes <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome thank you and now I can get my master's in that no I'm just kidding um <laughs> So what do you think is a challenge that you face being both a veteran and a military spouse that maybe is unique to your situation um, that you kind of want to, like, bring awareness to? I think it's really challenging to be a military spouse and a veteran. I like someone wrote either on LinkedIn or in a blog post about how one day they're leaving the base and they're getting saluted or be, you know, looked at with admiration as a military service member. And then the next day they leave base and they're getting like contempt because they're a military spouse. And it's like a really weird transition that you go through from being in the service to being a military spouse. And if anyone talks about like the bias towards military spouses, I know that it's there because I've experienced things from the veteran or from the military service member side and then the military spouse side. And it's been, it's been so hard to deal with some of the stuff that military spouses, the way they get treated and the run around they get and stuff that happens. And it just is really frustrating. And to be on the other side of it and like knowing exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's, I wrote a blog post on military.com and the editor was like, can you write five reasons it's easier to be a military spouse and a veteran? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. But I also could do five reasons why it's harder to be a military spouse and a veteran. And that one, the second one got a better response because military spouses who are veterans connected with that, the harder aspect and like the easy things, it might seem easier that you understand the military, but in some ways that makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great perspective. Um I guess I would from the outside looking in think because you know the paperwork or the the hurry up and wait mentality that it may be easier. But because you know all that the um lack of how like military spouses are treated is probably frustrating because you're like, I know that there's a better way to do this. Why are you doing it like this? You know, I, I can't imagine. Hmm. That's a, that's nice. I like that. Um, okay. So this is your opportunity to kind of share what you have going on, where people can find you on social media, um, like where your blog post is, where your podcast is, kind of share where you're at so people can find you. So the podcast is called Women of the Military. It is on podcast apps, and then it's also newly on YouTube, so you can find it on YouTube. And I have my blog, which is airman to mom a i r m a n t o m o m dot com and then i also launched a new youtube channel called a girl's guide to the military 
in January. So I'm working to get content on there to help young women who are considering military life. Awesome. Well, don't slow down because I think you're doing really great things. And um, I often, before connecting with you, had heard your name nicely <laughs> through the grapevine of just like listen to this podcast or check out this blog. And so um, you're definitely impacting both the veteran community and the military spouse community. So um, that's really great. And we appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me and for your encouraging words. It really means a lot. I love that I get to share stories of military women, and I just feel honored that I have the opportunity to use my voice to help the women veteran community and the women who are following in our footsteps to serve. Yeah, you're you're doing a great job, so keep it up. And, um, you know, if you, if you ever need somebody on your podcast, I'm always willing. So... <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to get that worked out. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, have a great day. Thank you. Well, that was fun. She is so great. Um, and I will make sure to tag her podcast and blog when we post her episode so you can find it easier. Uh, thank you for listening to a veterans podcast today. To learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if you are interested in being on the show, you can find us at aveteranspodcast.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at aveteranspodcast. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Veterans Network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need. Till next time.